Time to say good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday already. Um, this just time just goes right along, does it not? Just uh, the old saying is, the older you get, the faster it goes. And I would certainly concur with that. Uh, uh, in my life, anyway, I would say, yeah, I I agree that. Uh, that the older that we get, uh, the faster it goes. That is certainly, certainly true, uh, in my experience anyway. And uh, so much to do and uh, so little time. And uh, so Paul says this, to make the most of every opportunity. We read that back in our study of the book of Ephesians. To make the most of all the opportunities that are in front of us. And that's what we need to do. We're in the book of Jude. Uh, yesterday, I did some introduction to the book of Jude, and um, 
Today we're going to dig a little bit more into some of the verses. We'll we'll see how long we go. Uh, next week I will not be broadcasting. Just want to mention that again. I've said it uh, earlier, but just want to throw out that reminder. I'm going to be in Montana. Probably not going to have uh, access to uh, internet, or may not have access to internet. Certainly not going to have. Uh, uh, my time frames will be off, and I'm going to be with a group of other people, uh, and uh, so we'll not be broadcasting this week. We'll work our way through the Book of Jude this week and see if there's, uh, see if that takes us through the week or not. Um, it may, it may not. We'll if if it doesn't, then we will uh, discuss other things as we get into the end of the week. But hopefully, you are doing well in your life. I, I want to encourage you to. Uh, to throw yourselves into the support of ministry, uh, whether it be this ministry here uh, at Veracity Chapel uh, or it be a- another ministry if you are in another local area uh, like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, perhaps maybe you throw your support there uh, in in a local ministry there or you support a ministry like uh, Live uh, 1027, which is Sandy Good's ministry. That could be a ministry into which you could throw yourself. Um, but to, to support ministry, I, obviously, I, I would give the pitch for uh, for Veracity Chapel, but also I would give the pitch for places like New England Bible College here as we are trying to revitalize this, uh, this college. Maine needs preachers. Maine needs pastors. Uh, Maine needs Sunday school teachers who are equipped. Uh, Maine needs uh, uh, Christian servants in the marketplace who uh, are theologically prepared, uh, and that is our goal at New England Bible College. That is your main Bible college, uh, and uh, so you could go to nebc.edu and uh, consider giving a gift there um, or go right to veracitychapel.com and support the work that we do. Uh, I will be like Paul, and I would say that, uh, and that's a pretty uh, astute statement to make uh, about the lengths to which we are giving ourselves for gospel ministry. Uh, and uh, I, I, I uh, love what I do, and I need to make sure that what I do provides for for myself and for others as well. Uh, this year could be a year where there's the opportunity to support other people uh, as as things might be tight, uh, as things might, with, with uh, heating oil prices and electric and things of that nature, uh, there's some discussion going on about how do we stand ready to uh, you know, assist people in those types of needs. Uh, we are called to care. However, we're also called to bring the gospel to bear, and uh, we, we need to make sure that we're doing all that the Lord wants us to do within our lives, both both corporately in, in a ministry like the ministry of Rassey Chapel or the ministry of Lincoln Bible College or the ministry of Calvary, uh, Calvary Church in Lancaster where, uh, where Walter, our dear friend Walter, attend support your local ministry and I, and I would I want to suggest something to you and I know I'm probably preaching to the choir but I would I would encourage you choir people to 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 preach to other people 
if you spend more on entertainment than you do in support of the Lord's work, uh, priorities could be a little bit misplaced, perhaps. Just want to throw that out there. And uh, uh, to, to challenge you about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if you treasure the work of the kingdom, uh, that your treasure would would support that work. So just want to encourage you in those ways uh, in terms of, of supporting the local ministries uh, right here in Maine, right here in Morrill, the Belfast area, and all over New England. So Book of Jude is where we were camped. Uh, yesterday we, we talked about the fact that Jude was likely a brother of Jesus. Uh, Most scholars believe that he is a brother of Jesus. And yesterday we talked about the fact that he does not even mention the fact that he is the brother of Jesus. And we talk about how oftentimes what we would be inclined to want to do is say, well, you know, I'm Jude. I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus brother. I grew up with him and, and, and appeal to our, 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 uh, our genealogy, uh, appeal to our family connections, and so on. And these guys, Jude, James, James, his brother who wrote the book of James, he doesn't do it either. He doesn't make mention of that. He doesn't weigh in, uh, lean in on the fact that he is uh, a brother of Jesus. In fact, the word that we read here right out of the gate within the first couple verse, uh, first couple words, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and a brother of James. Now he he mentions the fact that he is James' brother, so that gives some clarity to which which Jude we are talking about here. Uh, but he he stops there. He he doesn't go on and say further that he is a brother of Jesus. Servant, actually, the word is bond servant. The word is doulos. Uh, to be, it's it's actually the word for slave. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Uh, they had freedom, um, and yet they knew that as they proclaimed the gospel, that that what the gospel they proclaimed could come under fire, uh, and they could come under fire as a result. Nonetheless, they bowed the knee and made themselves do loss. D-O-U-L-O-U-S, doulos, I guess there's no U at the end, D-O-U-L-O-S, going from memory here, but the idea of being a bond slave, not just a servant like I choose to serve you, but a slave, I don't have a choice, Uh, I am in slavery to you, but here's the thing about being a slave, Uh, if you are a slave, uh, you could appeal to the fact that, especially if you're a slave of someone well-to-do, uh, and your ascription to being their slave, it made you a person of notability. Uh, and so we are notable slaves to Jesus. Uh, Jude is a slave, but but I would ask each of us the question, are we slaves? Are we willing doulos? Are we willing slaves to Christ? Are we willing slaves to the things of Christ? Are we willing slaves to the work of Christ? Are we willing slaves to the support of, of the gospel ministry globally? Are we, uh, you know, are are we slaves in that sense? Are we slaves in the sense of uh, as we live our lives, we're saying, Lord, how how does my life count for you? And there are all kinds of ways. You don't have to do what I do. I realize I have a unique gift mix. And so 
I realize that I'm very comfortable most of the time sitting in a chair like this, opening up the scriptures and, and having at it that way. I realize that many don't have that gift, but you have your gift. You have your ability. You have the things into which God has called you to do. Uh, and so you make yourself a slave in those areas of service. Slave to Jesus uh, every every day. Every moment of every day, a slave to Jesus. We get up in the morning and say, yes, master. I mean, there's this idea of the lordship of Christ. Some people want to have Jesus as their savior, but not take him as their lord. Well, uh, you can be my savior. You, you can fit me for heaven, but I'm not going to listen to what you tell me I'm supposed to do. I mean, this is my life. I've only got one life to live. I'm going to live it the way I want to live it. Uh, and uh, when I get to eternity someday, then it will be a different story. No, if that is your attitude about Christ, you perhaps need to even question the, the veracity, the reality, the truthfulness, the honesty of your own salvation. Are you truly even saved? Are you truly even born again? And that born again is not a Jimmy Carter term out of the 1978, 79 years when, when that term was uh, in the news because President Carter claimed to be born again and and much was much uh, to do was made about that word. However, there should be much to do made about that word. We are told in John chapter three, I will take you there. I will show you these words. These are Bible terms. You notice the heading, it says, you must be born again. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the miracles, you uh, miraculous signs you're doing uh, if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Here's the question. Do you want to see the kingdom of God? Here's the question. Do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? Jesus says no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The word is right here in the scriptures, and we have to ask ourselves, have I been born again? Now, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? He said, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I mean, he is he is being quite graphic about this. He is, I mean, he is literally thinking, do I crawl back up inside there? That, that ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen. I mean, that that's that's kind of what he is saying here in in verse 4, and then Jesus responds, uh, probably even with a, a, a smirk or a snicker on his face, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, kind of responding to Nicodemus, but then coming with the truth. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water. That is the water. You know, when a woman's water breaks, that is the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you, you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. He goes on and says much, much more, but, but he, I think he is really made the point here quite 
quite clearly that uh, unless a person is born again, they are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. They're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. They're not going to participate in the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, you ask yourself the question, am I born again? Well, if you're born again, then it's going to be evident the Spirit's work is going to be in your life. There is evidence of salvation. And part of the evidence of that salvation is an acknowledgement that not only is Jesus Savior, but he is Lord of all things. He is Lord of creation. He is Lord of uh, of the earth going around the sun. Uh, he is he, he is the Lord of the earth rotating on its axis. He is uh, Lord of the galaxies. Uh, he is Lord of of the elements that make up the atoms. He is he is Lord of all those things. He is Lord, and that is what Jude acknowledges when he says, "I am a servant of Jesus Christ." Doulos, slave, would be the better word to use here. I put us into the New American Standard Bible here, and this is what it says: Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called. Just the question that we we ask ourselves, am I a bondservant of Jesus? Or am I just, is Jesus a convenience to me? Uh, Do do I look to Jesus when when it's convenient for me to do so? I mean, I, I think that's a question that we have to ask ourselves and have to answer for ourselves. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus, brother James, to those who were called. Let me pick up and go further with this. Uh, Bondservant, notice to whom he is a bondservant, a bondservant of Jesus. I said this a little bit earlier. Uh, He calls himself a slave. A slave had no status in society. Uh, However, if you were the slave of someone important, then you shared their status even as their slave. So, you know, I, for instance, if you were a slave of your favorite president, whoever that may be, if you were their servant, you would say, well, I, I'm a servant of Reagan, or I'm a servant of Carter, or I'm a servant of Obama, or I'm a servant of, I'm not going to leave, you know, I'm not going to list all the names, I'm a servant of Clinton, or so on or so forth. I, I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, just that high nobility, I serve that person, and I serve at their beck and call. I run and get their Diet Coke when they want it. I run and get them a coffee when they want it because I am their servant. That we would recognize Jesus in that same way and would be that bond servant in that same kind of way. Um. Now, in calling themselves, and this is kind of a little bit redundant, but I was trying to make sure I get get every bit out of this that I can. Instead, by calling themselves slaves, they use the title of, of self-depreciation. Free people would avoid this, uh, but combining slave with Jesus the Anointed One turns this title of self-depreciation into a title of authority because they're sharing Jesus' authority. Uh, in what Jude is saying is he's making it clear he's not operating under the authority of an emperor. He's not uh, operating under the authority of some high earthly official, uh, Roman or Jewish. He is making clear he is serving an alternative 
kingdom. And friends, you and I serve an alternative kingdom. We serve the kingdom of Christ. We serve a kingdom that is already both here and also fully yet to come. That is the kingdom that we serve. Now, we we get that confused in my estimation sometimes, and I'm not saying that we I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm not saying those things. But for the believer, we must always keep in mind that we ultimately serve the alternative kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. In fact, it's interesting to note that this very language, this doulos language, is language that Paul also used, and it was a, a language that the first century Jesus movement used. Uh and, but then they began to, in the second, third, fourth century, began to slip away from the lordship aspect and look to the exalted aspect. And friends, we need to make sure that we're always humble before Christ. Now, let's let's get back into the text here and look at some more. To those who are called, and doesn't just say called, it says the called. And we, I know we hit this verse quite a bit yesterday, but there is so much more to dig out of it today. To those who are the called, there is a definite article there. The word the doesn't just say those who are called, but the called to know absolutely you are called by God to be a follower of Christ. That God, And maybe you're listening to this and you've never given your life to Christ. I want to encourage you that perhaps right now God is calling you. Put your name right in there. He is whispering your name and saying, I want you to, to, to give your life to me. I want you to trust me as your Savior. I want to uh, follow me and, and, and as your Lord, that I would be your Lord, that he's called you. We looked at the verse yesterday out of John 6, 44, unless the Spirit, unless the Father draws people, they will not come to Jesus. Perhaps the Father's calling you today to trust in Jesus. Trust in him. I, 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 I encourage you. I plead with you. I beg with you. Give your life to Christ. Further, the called beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Looking at this word, multiplied to you, this is the New American Standard Version. It isn't just the idea of a little little shaker of salt put on there. It isn't just a little, you know, a little pinch. It's 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 multiplied to you that God's mercy, that God's peace, that God's love would be dumped right out on you like a dump truck, like like the ocean waves, a great big ocean wave, like you might see down in Hawaii, that great big ocean wave crashing over you with the mercy of God, the peace of God, the love of God being multiplied to you. The New International Version that I've just switched over to says, may it be yours in abundance. I I, I like the, 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 the idea of its being multiplied to you. I think the New Living Translation that I've just put up, it lightens it yet more. May God give you more and more mercy. I, I like the the word multiplied. The English Standard Version also uses the word multiplied to you. The King James uses the word be multiplied to you. Uh, 
I'm going to venture to say that likely the idea here is that it be multiplied, not just added, not just sprinkled, not just pinched, but that you today would know the mercy, the peace, and the love of God being multiplied in your life. You know, I, I'm thinking about uh, the busyness of uh, of the days right now, decision making, and uh, the 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 amount of work that uh, and the body of work that is in front of me, <clears throat> and uh, just the need to stop to pause. And I encourage you, you, you. Some of you are also people who run like banshees all over, uh, all over the place. Uh, working like crazy. Sometimes we need to pause and sit back into the mercy, the peace, and the love of Christ to, to just take that that pause and go, Lord, I, I don't want to run and feel this tension in me. I want to run and feel your pleasure uh, in me, Lord. I want to feel your smile. I want to feel the mercy, the peace, and the love of Christ. And, and, and I think it's okay to say I want to feel those things. Uh, now, because we are emotive creatures. Some uh, minimize the role of emotions in the, in the human experience, and they mean well, um, but we have to contend with our emotions. Sometimes our emotions are ungodly, but uh, they can also be godly emotions. And, and the, to experience mercy, to not just know about it cranially, to not just know about it mentally, but to actually experience the mercy of God in your being, to experience the peace of God in your soul, to experience the love of God. Uh, all these things being true, all things that uh, that I would encourage us to, to be looking for. Now, before I go further, take that cup of coffee. I'm going to grab my cup of coffee, going to swing my microphone out of the way. Grab your cup of coffee. Let's have a little sip together here, a little fellowship. Maybe you're having tea. Maybe you're having juice. Maybe you're having a glass of water, whatever it is. <clears throat> My throat said, take a little swallow of something. That, that certainly helps. Now, the first two verses are in many ways, very pleasant verses. Uh, and when he gets into the next verse, he 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 starts down a road, then he abruptly changes. So let's take a look at the, verse 3. It says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, we'll just stop there. I won't go further. Just stop there. I mean, there, there's the thought, dear friends, Hopefully that we would view each other in our family and the family of God as dear friends within our within our church family here that we would say okay we're we're dear friends that we would grow into that type of proximity with one another that we would be dear friends uh, and not just mere acquaintances and and that might mean that we have to change some things up in how we live church so that we can know each other, so that we can appreciate each other, so that we can love each other, so that we can say of each other, dear friends. Now, you know how much I love to teach. However, the application in some measure is more important than the teaching. If I teach, 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 and we never uh, make application to how we live, 
uh, I'm just a sounding gong. I'm just spending a lot of time saying, using up a lot of air to say a lot of things that don't matter anyway. Uh, but we need to, uh, within the body of Christ, get into the type of proximity where we can say of each other, dear friends, dear friends. Although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, uh, he wanted to write about soteriology. That is the large word for salvation. I'm giving you a little bit of theological uh, uh, education today, soteriology, salvation. He wanted to talk about the things of salvation. He wanted to talk about the work of Christ. He wanted to talk about the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. He wanted to talk about the ascension of Christ. He wanted to talk about how, how the blood of Christ spilt, uh, appeased the wrath of God for all time. He wanted to talk about these things. He, he wanted to celebrate these things. He said, I was very eager to write to you about these things. Uh, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. And then he not only talks about eager to write to you about salvation, but he says the salvation that we share, we share this salvation. Now, not everyone who sits in a pew, or in our case now in a chair, who sits in a church uh, necessarily shares in the salvation. But our prayer would be that they would share in the salvation. Our prayer would be that if if they don't yet know Christ, that they might turn their lives to Christ uh, and share in the salvation. Friend, when you walk into your church, whatever church that might be, I would encourage you to be prayerful for the work of the Spirit of God in the hearts and lives of people in the hearts and lives. We're not just coming and going through the motions. I mean, we need to be asking God to be at work in the church. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our focus, focusing on those very, very, very types of things. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, praying that people who walk in who do not yet know Christ would come to faith in Christ. Praying that people who listen to the word of God will not be so incensed by the word of God. They say, oh, I'm going to go my way. There is this false brand of Christianity that says, well, I'll follow Christ as long as everything that I hear agrees with me or is agreeable to me. But the moment that you go down a road, like I've had to go down the road recently in uh, teaching through the book of 1 Timothy, the moment that I hear something I don't agree with, I'm out of here. And that is what some people will do. And so that's where Paul goes further in this verse. Verse 3 says, I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was uh, once for all entrusted to the saints. Okay, enjoy your salvation. Talk about your salvation. Frolic in the worship of God. That's what Jude would say. But the fact is, we have to contend for the faith. And friends, I believe in our day, we have to contend for the faith once entrusted to the saints. We have to contend for the truth of God. Uh, the, the, the message of culture, the message of society, strikes hardly, heartily, I'll, I'll use that word instead, uh, with great force against our faith. 
It says, well, there are many ways to God. I mean, just take a path and you'll eventually get there. Wrong. That is not the truth of Scripture. That is not the message of Christianity. The message of Jesus is, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's the truth of Scripture. In fact, none of the other religious leaders ever made statements like that. They said you have to to work your way. You have to earn your way. You have to live your way into the kingdom, into eternity. You have to do you know certain measures of notable things in order to uh, win your reward. You think of the Japanese people, World War II, the kamikaze pilots, believing that you know what they were doing was honorable and noble and that it would lead to some some better uh, existence beyond the body and so they would fly their planes into boats and and, and into uh, into land features and into other planes and things like that the kamikaze pilots because that's what they believed there is one way to God. Now, the other thing that I think we need to contend for is the real Jesus, because people are coming up with all kinds of notions of what they think Jesus is. We have the the Jesus who does not at all uh, worry about um, our sexuality. I mean, not that Jesus worries, but some would say, you know, he, he's concerned about the soul, but not about your sex. Well, then why does the Bible speak so much about sexuality? And it does. You read the book of Proverbs. Uh, you can read the book of Hebrews. You can read the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 about uh, sexuality. Um, you can read the words of the Apostle Paul about sexuality in other places, it does matter, and yet there is a phony uh, teaching in our day. Hey, come to our Christian church where we believe in Jesus and believe in free love. Now, not the free love that God freely offers, but free love that, you know, a friends with benefits type of love. Or uh, you, you can love somebody of the same sex. Now, listen, I, I, I want to say this. Uh, because I just need to put this out there. There, there. You might be a person who listens, and you might be a person who would be inclined to want that sexual encounter uh, with a person of the same sex. It's there. It, it, it is. It, it is. Uh, it has been nurtured within us in society. Nurtured within us within culture. Maybe nurtured within certain people within the way that they were brought up. It is there. It. it but, friends, I will tell you, it is, it is a lie. Now, I, I wouldn't be very, um, very welcomed having a, a dialogue with somebody like my friend Sean McDowell has had with people, because this isn't a dialogue today. This is us con, con, con considering how we need to contend for the faith. Now, part of contending for the faith might mean that we do have dialogue. It might mean that we do set up a panel discussion. It might mean that, yes, we do have a, a debate about these issues in, in some public forum, but yet we contend for the faith. We contend for what the Scripture says. We believe the Scripture does not change. We believe that that what it has said, it has said, and, and it's not going to change because the mores of society has changed. We are called to contend for the faith. 
that contending for the faith has a sexual look about it in, in the contemporary culture, that contending for the faith, I think, also has a spiritual nature about it in our culture because we want to be spiritual without being, being rooted in the Scripture. Friends, I want, I want us, I believe God wants us to be spiritual people, but spiritually rooted in the Scripture. Uh, and we see many moving away from the Scripture and, and seeking other experiences so that they can have a sense of being spiritual. Our spirituality needs to be rooted in the eternal, unfading, unchanging Word of God. So Jude writes, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Now let me just land on these words, once for all. Once for all has, and, and, and here it is, I'll let you look at it uh, in the in verse 3 of Jude, uh, the faith once for all entrusted to the saints. The implication of this word or this phrase, once for all, means that unchanging. This is the final product. It, 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 it does not continue to evolve into something different at all. It is a once for all faith. It would last throughout all the the millennia. It will last throughout all time. This is the faith, and it's entrusted to the saints. Now, who are the saints? You and I. Bonafide, legitimate followers of Christ are saints. Now, you might look at yourself and go, well, I ain't too saintly. Well, I have my days where I would say I ain't too saintly either. And I know that's great uh, English for uh an academian to be saying, but it it communicates. Fact is, Christ makes us saints. We are not made saints by our works. We are made saints by our faith, our faith that results in good works, our faith that results in us doing kind, benevolent acts, compassionate acts on the behalf of other people. That is the type of faith that we have that makes us saints. So some of the names I'm looking at here, like Saint Jessica or Saint Francis or Saint uh, Saint Tom, Thomas, Saint Susan, Saint Priscilla, Saint Donald, uh, Saint Michael, Saint Stephen, Saint Donna, Saint Cheryl. How's that light you up there, Cheryl? Saint Cheryl than for us to live out this being saints that we are called to be. Well, friends, it's time to land the plane. I'm going to stop there. Lord, help us today. Help us to live for you. Help us to live with um, as doulas. Help us to live as followers of Christ. Help us to live as servants of Christ. Help us to to understand our calling, to understand the nature of the love with which you've loved us. Help us to understand that we are kept by Christ. Help us to live in your mercy, peace, and love today. May they be multiplied. And Lord, for those that grieve, for those who hurt today, for those with big questions about life, may they experience your comfort and your companionship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And as has been said, Lord, hear our prayer. Friends, that's a wrap for today. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.